When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hi, my daughter, Lauren McCloskey, uh, was talking to her mom, and then she just started saying, no, 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 and it sounded like someone might have been grabbing her or something. Okay. How long ago was this? This was just two, uh, two minutes ago. Okay. What's her name? Lauren McCluskey. Hi, everybody. We're back. It's the Hi Fair and I podcast. Lisa, look at that audio bar. It went on all of our. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, everybody. Welcome back to I Fair and I podcast. I am your host with the most. My name is Lisa. If you don't already know me, I'm here with my co hosts. Who are the meat and potatoes of this show? Jules and Matt, what's up? Guys, how you doing? We back. We're ready to attack. It is another day, another dollar. It's drowsy out today. It's very sad. We have one day nice weather, one day shitty weather, and then our allergies go poof, poof. That's <laughs> just... But hi, everybody. For real, we are back and ready to attack. I don't know why I can't say we're back without saying the other half of that. Carry on, leave it out. But, but this is I for an I podcast. You know the drill. We're going to get right into it because we like to get you that good, good right away. But remember before, because I don't know how many people make it to the very end of these episodes, rate, review, subscribe. Seriously, it really helps our show out. We love to hear from you what you guys are thinking and feeling. And also the ratings are nice. Tell us how you're feeling. Give us them five stars. Yeah, and we have a lot of new listeners, so we want everyone's feedback. Old friends, new friends. Yes, and our Patreon page is Blue Friends. Up and running, and we also have a PayPal account that you can donate to our show and help us keep this machine oiled up and running. So check all that out. All those links are in our bio. And shout out to our newest Patreons, Kate and Matt. Thank you for being the best, even though this is about to come out eight years after you guys have come with us. Jules is going to take us on a wild, wild ride today. It's a very sad case as always, but let's get into it. Yes, sad and terrible. And my first line is, I got another horrible story for you all today because this one is tragic. And I tried to end on a high note, which we'll get to, but. This case today deals with a big issue, and that is campus security. Security everywhere is important, especially as a female, but campus security is a big deal. College, people are getting wild and crazy, and it's important that they feel safe and secure. So today, specifically, we will be talking about the University of Utah and what they did or did not do to protect 21-year-old Lauren McCluskey. The Salt Lake City Tribune had a really nice timeline of events so they were my main source shout out to the tribune over there and it kind of just gives us the breakdown of this whole wild ride so september 2nd of 2018 is where we're starting lauren was a student at the university of utah and she was out with friends and met melvin roland at the london bell which was a salt lake city bar where he was working at as a bouncer the two became, began dating despite the fact that Melvin gave Lauren a false name and age. So I'm going to be referring to him as Melvin, which is his real name. But when he first met and introduced himself to Lauren, he used a fake name and a fake age. And he also did not disclose the fact that he was a convicted sex offender on parole. Not something you want, you know, start out a, a relationship with. You should be honest, but that was not the case here. Melvin started visiting Lauren pretty frequently, and they quickly built friendships with other students in the dorm building. He was 
always at her dorm. ABC has a really good episode of Nightline, the calls for help is Lauren's episode. And her friend talked about how Melvin just kind of infiltrated Lauren's life. He was there with her all the time. And if he wasn't there with her, he was constantly calling her. It went really quickly. Later on in September, Lauren went pistol shooting with Melvin and his friends. And I'd like to point out here that as a felon, Melvin was not allowed to own a gun. So just giving you the deed. Does it matter for, I guess it doesn't matter if you're just pistol shooting because you're not owning the gun, right? Right. So I, right, those two points are separate, but I thought they were in, connected enough to point it out. Yes. It, I don't. Can we go pistol shooting? Um, actually, can we? Yes. But can you as a felon? I don't know. You can, I believe. You can just because you're, you don't necessarily have to own. Yeah, we can go pistol shooting, by the way, if you guys want. John Ryan has a piece. Go knock off a few shots. Yeah, they're like an established location because I'd be afraid to do it and not established. No, no, I was thinking behind an abandoned warehouse somewhere down <laughs> in my <house>. backyard. <laughs> now we're later in the month, September 26th of 2018. Lauren called her friends and would tell them that Melvin would not let her hang out. The friends noted that at this time, Lauren didn't sound like herself. She wasn't acting like herself. They also noticed that Lauren's physical appearance had begun to change, and they believed that she was being taken advantage of by Melvin. September 30th of 2018, Lauren's friends actually felt so concerned that they told university staff that they were scared about Melvin's control over Lauren. So this is university. They disclosed how he talked about guns and often stayed in Lauren's room. That report and others to housing officials in the days that followed were not passed to campus police or a campus behavioral team who may have intervened. Housing officials were aware that people who knew Lauren were specifically concerned that she could be hurt, but their focus remained on whether a housing policy violation had occurred. The friends made an effort to reach out and nothing happened. It kind of seemed, in my opinion, like people pointing fingers, and nobody stepping up to take any action. In the early days of October, Lauren learned about Melvin's real identity. He lied to Lauren about his name and his age. She learned that in early October, including the fact that he lied about his age. He was actually 31, and Lauren was 21 at the time, which is a pretty big age gap. He was a registered sex offender and did not tell Lauren that. Lauren briefly went home to Pullman, Washington. She was processing her thoughts, just wanted a weekend back home, which I understand. October 9th of 2018, Lauren invited Melvin to her dorm room, where she confronted him with the information she had found out, and she broke off their relationship. Melvin admitted that he was a sex offender, but denied the age difference. For some reason, he's still holding on to that. Lauren allowed him to spend the night in her room and to borrow her car the next day to run errands. The next day, Lauren began receiving text messages that were allegedly from Melvin's friends. Some of the messages were urging Lauren to kill herself after the breakup. Now she's getting all these random messages. On that same day, which was October 10th of 2018, Jill McCluskey, Lauren's mom, contacted Campus Dispatch and was very upset and worried. She requested a campus security escort to help Lauren retrieve her vehicle from Melvin because she had lent it to him. A recurring theme throughout this that just Lauren seems like such a sweet and kind person. Even after she had broken up with Melvin and confronted him about so many lies, it wasn't like you lied about something small. You lied about your name, your age, and the fact that you're a sex offender. She was still willing to lend him her car to do whatever he needed to do. Lauren's mom was concerned, so she called and asked for an escort to help Lauren get the car back. The security dispatcher then contacted Lauren, who at first declined assistance. She said she felt comfortable. She said Melvin was going to drop the vehicle off at her dorm, and she felt comfortable with that. She didn't think that there was any need for intervention. The dispatcher told her that there would be security officers near the building just in case. Later that day, Lauren changed her mind, so she called back saying that the car was being dropped off at the football stadium parking lot, and she wanted a ride to pick it up, which they provided to her. Allegedly, university police did not learn until after Lauren's death that she and her mother had felt that Lauren was in danger. That's another common theme throughout this episode is just 
failure to communicate between university officials, university police, local police. It's a hot mess. The security escort that assisted Lauren that day with getting her car back, the log of that was apparently not entered into the same record management system that the campus police used. Balls were dropped. People were not communicating, which had deadly consequences. October 12th of 2018, Lauren contacted University Police, reporting more of the suspicious text messages that she was receiving. More had come in because they started a couple of days prior and she just seemed like a kind person. She was letting people blow off steam, but they kept coming. They became more extreme. So the text said that Melvin was dead and that it was Lauren's fault. But despite being dead, Melvin had recently posted on social media. And apparently such posts were a violation of Melvin's parole as he was prohibited from using social media. Lauren told the officer when she called that day that she did not feel in danger or threatened by the text, but felt that his friends were trying to lure her out of her dorm for whatever reason. Maybe they wanted to confront her. Still, she wanted there to be documentation of it, but she didn't necessarily feel in danger. October 13th, 2018, Lauren contacted university police again, reporting more messages. It seems her patience is running thin and maybe she is starting to change the way that she feels about it. The messages keep increasing in severity. So these messages were demanding money from Lauren in exchange for not posting compromising photos of her and her with Melvin online. So they were blackmailing her. Lauren said that she sent the $1,000 that was demanded to an account in the hope of just keeping those photos private. I mean, she probably felt desperate at that point. She was a student athlete, so she obviously didn't want anything like that to come out. University police put her in contact with Officer Miguel Duress, and they communicated over the phone, then in person, and then over the phone again through texts. Lauren eventually called the Salt Lake City Police Department, which then referred her back to campus police. They said since she was a student and lived on campus that it was a campus police issue. Police Chief Dale Brophy said the police took Lauren's report, pulled Melvin's criminal history, but somehow didn't know that he was on parole. Seems like BS, but that's my thought. They assigned a detective to follow up later on possible charges of sexual extortion through the blackmail texts. An independent review team who later investigated the actions taken by the university found that there was never an attempt by any of the officers involved to check Melvin's offender status. There were no policies or procedures that required such checks. So even though Lauren had called, gave them all this information, even if she told them he's on parole and she knew it, they were not required to look into any of that. There was no checks and balances in place. It's, honestly, this is a disgrace. October 16th of 2018, a parole agent spoke with Melvin but did not know about the separate allegations from Lauren because the university police had not communicated with the Salt Lake City police parole people. There's that lack of communication and it's just gross to think about. Melvin's use of social media did violate his probation and involvement in a new crime also would have been a violation and could have sent him back to jail. So if there was proper communication between university police and the parole department, the violation through posting on social media and the violation of sexual extortion with Lauren would have sent him back to jail. And that's October 16th. October 19th, Lauren is very frustrated because at this point, mid to end October, she's been dealing with this since early October, keeps getting passed around, feels like nobody's taking her seriously. She calls the Salt Lake City Police again, asking them for help. The dispatch tells her to call campus police, which she does. Again, it's that you're a student, you live on campus, this is the campus police matter. This is so disturbing to me, and I've talked about it before, before you go on, that one of my biggest fears is this exact thing. So my one of my biggest fears is stalking and that thing that freaks me out to know and that to know that someone's watching you or following you. But it's because the lack of shit that the police can do. And this wasn't even necessarily a stalking case, although I some could consider it definitely being one. It's just you look to these people to protect you. 
And right. you do everything right. She has a log of everything. She's reporting everything. She's making sure everything is known. Her parents know. Her friends know. Everybody knows. And somehow st- tragedy still unfolds. Well, that's what was devastating. I referenced before that Nightline episode, which is great. And I we will post the link to it because it gives a lot of great audio. They have recorded calls from Lauren calling different authorities, asking for help. And what really broke me down, there was audio with her parents as well. And the reporter asked the parents, were you concerned? Did you have a false sense of security? And the dad was like, yes, these are the people, whether it's campus police or local police, these are the people you count on to be doing their due diligence, even if they follow up and realize, and I'm not saying this is the case and I'm not victim blaming at all, but even if they follow through, it ends up being nothing or it ends up being just a bad breakup. You follow through and you do what you need to do so that everyone feels safe and secure. And especially as a woman, I feel like it's such a big issue that they didn't take her seriously. And one of, we'll discuss this a little bit more as well, the foundation that Lauren's parents made on their posters and things is we will believe women. She didn't keep this to herself and then call last minute and it was too late. She gave notice. She checked in with university people, local people, and nobody seemed to really take her seriously or or bother to follow through with anything. Well, the shame of it to me is that like we spend so much time in society telling women this is what you should do. This is happening. Here's who you call. Here's the number. Here's. Yeah. You can trust these people because they'll do something about, did you tell your RA? Did you tell the police? Did you tell your local, your counselor, whoever? And we've seen in so many of these cases, and I don't mean to blame those people, especially the police, because oftentimes they do get false leads and they do get calls about waste of time, things that are like, we only have so many resources. We're spread thin. And there are cases out there that we have to be devoting time to and active crimes currently going on. But it's in these instances, we look and it's, dude, there are so many things that you should have said or should have done or followed up on and just pursued that one iota further. And you might have saved so much worse things from happening, but it's a shame these these situations play out the way they do. I agree. And as, as someone who I feel Personally, I carry guilt for so many things that I shouldn't. But to me, I'd rather have guilt of wasting time and resources than the guilt of not following through and right. having such a tragic outcome, which we'll get to. Way um, the cost, the human well, cost. Right. Cost. Well, also, it's not a waste if it was a genuine concern. If it was, right. if you genuinely believed somebody was in danger and it turns out they weren't, I don't find that a waste. I think that it's you doing what you know how to make it a safe environment for that person. And then if, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't. But I think police forces in general, and I don't know the ins and outs of what they have in place for stalking or crimes like that, but I think the law needs to take a long, hard look. And we'll talk about it at the end, I'm sure, but a long, hard look at what you can do for people when someone hasn't actively not necessarily committed a crime because he was. He was violating parole. He was violating all these things. Right. But there has to be some sort of action because this happens time and time and time and time again. Right. But on the other side of that coin, I don't know what the right action is because I was thinking that. Do you remember those stupid blue lights on campus? And I'm sure every campus yes. has that yes. has that version where it's if you're in danger, hit the thing and somebody will come. Great. That'll be really helpful if, if somebody is attacking me. Let me find the closest blue light. You stop attacking. Me. I'm going to hit the light and we'll all just wait here. It's dumb. I always thought about that at school because we had those as well. And I was just, in what world? Right, right. In what world? And, and I don't know what the, in that scenario, they have people that walk around and patrol and you can't be everywhere. And so I don't know what a good solution is for things like that but for things that Lauren was going above and beyond to call and ask for help and do x y and z and I don't know whatever let's jump back in so October 19th Lauren was very frustrated calls Salt Lake City Police Department the dispatch there tells her to call campus police which she does a detective then returns her call 
and says that she will not be back at work until October 23rd. And we'll follow up with her then. This is, mind you, October 19th. So that's just all, all great and well. The detective tells Lauren to call campus police in the meantime if she gets another message. I can't even imagine. There is security footage showing Melvin at various campus locations from October 19th through the 22nd, apparently seeking out Lauren. Now, mind you, this man we now know is 37 years old. Okay, not a student, not a faculty member, not a staff, not a nothing. You don't need to be on campus unless you were with her permission seeing Lauren or seeing another student. There's no reason for that. October 22nd of 2018 at 1039 a.m., Lauren talks to Officer Duras of Campus Police, who I mentioned earlier, because she received another text message. In the message, it claimed to be Deputy Chief Rick McLennan asking her to go to the police station. Kind of fishy and weird, but she was speaking to authorities, so it's not totally out of the blue, but it was alarming, especially since she was, Lauren was receiving all these random messages and she felt that the goal of the messages was to lure her out of her dorm, so she was vulnerable. She gets this suspicious message from the deputy chief and she is calling to do her due diligence, which you can do if you get pulled over by the police. Correct. You can call and verify that it's a legitimate officer. Yes. And it scares me. This is another fear of mine. That exact thing is a fear because I'm very much not, I don't know if afraid is a good word, but I'm, I'm not best friends with the police, right? It freaks me out when I get pulled over. And at night, my biggest fear is getting pulled over by someone pretending to be a cop because I automatically pull over. I'm not going to take them on a chase to a well-lit area, which is what sometimes they say to do is call the police station, verify that someone's pulling you over, and then let the person on the phone know if if they've confirmed that you want to drive to a well-lit area, which is what I would do. But most people just pull over when they think they're getting pulled over. So it's it's I think it's a good double check to have, but it's sad that that's even something that we have to consider in this world. Ma, is that something that you think about doing? If you got pulled over on in on a dark road in the night, would you feel you had to call to confirm it was a real officer, or would you pull over without a thought? Truth be told, I'd pull over. I mean, I would pull over, but then I, if I was by myself, then I would also call. Like, I think time of day matters too. If it was nighttime, I would probably, it, nowadays, I'd probably call because I'd be afraid. But if it was in the daytime or if I was like, in the middle of a desolate area, I think I'd be yeah. more prone to call. But in real life, my brain's like, you pull over when a cop pulls you. You don't have time right. to play games on the cell phone. Right. I just, I don't know. And that's something that hit me particularly with this case is some of the fears that we carry as women. And to me, that's another one. And so that's going, bringing things kind of full circle. That's what Lauren was doing. She was double checking that this text that she received was an actual member of the police force and not one of Melvin's friends or Melvin himself using fake numbers to get in touch with her. So anyway, that was 10.39 a.m. Officer Duras never reported Lauren's concerns about that text message to any of his superiors. And we'll talk about that motherfucker later because I hate him. Okay, October 22nd, from about 3 to 6 p.m., Melvin waited for Lauren with some of her friends at the dorms. And so that's the difficult part. He immersed himself so deeply into her life that he knew all the friends. and so. If they weren't completely up to date with the situation Lauren was going through, it wouldn't be weird for him to be there. October 22nd at 8.20 p.m., Melvin confronts Lauren in the parking lot outside of her dorm building. Lauren was coming home from a night class and was on the phone with her mother. The last words her mother heard from Lauren were, no, no, no. Melvin grabbed Lauren. She dropped her cell phone and her other belongings. He then dragged her across the parking lot forcing her into the backseat of a car he had driven to campus. Once she was in the car, Melvin shot Lauren multiple times. October 22nd at 8.23 p.m., Matt McCluskey, Lauren's dad, called the campus police. He told them what Lauren's mom had heard on the, on the phone call. 
At 8.32 p.m., police went to the parking lot and found Lauren's belongings. More police were called to search Lauren's dorm, the parking lot, and other surrounding areas. At 8.38 p.m., Melvin called a woman he met on a dating site, and they went to dinner. They drove around. They went to her home. He took a shower, which is weird. I'm sorry. If, if I'm ever going on a date with some random dude and he wants to come back to my place and take a shower, that's going to be a red flag to me. The woman then dropped him. <laughs> looks like he's like, yeah, I do that shit all the time. My bad. That's weird. If you do that, you need to stop. Matt and any of our listeners. I have, I have not uh, done that exactly. I mean, not to get too detailed. If they were in the shower together, that would be different. But that's not the way I interpreted this. I think he was cleaning off any evidence or whatever. Yes. I'm not coming back to your place and hopping in your shower without you. Right. And I don't think that's that was the purpose. That, that was not the purpose of this. It's not back. It was like, yeah, I'm disgusting right now. Can I hop in the shower? Why? Yeah. Disgusting, but. Yeah, very suspicious. This woman then dropped Melvin off at a coffee shop. Later on that night, she saw the news reporting about the shooting. She recognized the photos of Melvin. Then she probably felt like a big idiot, and she called the police. At 9.55 p.m., police find Lauren's body in the backseat of the car. Not sure exactly how it took that long. If they had the footage... It seems like they should have been able, like the footage of Melvin on campus. It seems that they would have been able to have his plate. And I know it wasn't his car. He borrowed it or he did whatever. But to me, that just seems like a strangely long amount of time. That was 9.55. And then at 9.56 p.m., a secure in place alert was sent out because they weren't sure where Melvin was at that point. They didn't know if he would be a danger to anyone else. At 11.46 p.m., this is still October 22nd. The secure in place alert was lifted as the police had determined by that point that Melvin had left campus. On October 23rd at 12.46 a.m., Salt Lake City police found Melvin and followed him on foot. Melvin entered a local church, and as police entered the church after him, Melvin shot himself. What a little bitch. Later during the day on October 23rd, University Police Chief Dale Brophy told reporters that his officers could not find Melvin in the days leading up to the shooting. However, a lie detector test determined that was a lie because Lauren's parents got an independent review team to investigate this further, and they found no one was looking for him. I mean, that's no one was taking Lauren seriously. No one was looking for Melvin. Unfortunately, it took Lauren's death for people to start taking this seriously, but at that point they did. I have a lot of details after the fact, and there was a, a lot more, but I, I tried to pick out the ones that were relevant or frustrating. So anytime you have thoughts during this, you can just shout them out. October 24th, the day later, the Department of Corrections noted that a parole agent had spoken to Melvin on October 16th, but as we mentioned before, the agent was unaware of Lauren's harassment allegations, which would have put him back in jail and he would not have been around or available to to do what he did october 25th university of utah president ruth watkins said she would ask an outside investigator to review university police protocols but said the review would not examine the decisions of individual officers governor gary herbert announced that there would be an investigation of the utah department of corrections and the board of pardons and parole to look into possible mistakes that may have contributed to lauren's death the governor, that's a big deal to have involved, especially two days after Lauren's death. He's involved and he's, I would say, at least admitting to the possibility of mistakes being made, which is important. October 26th of 2018, University of Utah trustees met to discuss the competence of university police and administrators in the wake of Lauren's death. I'll tell you, they were not competent. November 2nd of 2018, University President Ruth Watkins changed her review and announced that they would be looking at actions taken by individual officers in the weeks before Lauren was killed. So originally she said they were looking at the department, but they wouldn't look into individual officers. And now she's rectifying that statement. The report that took place was finished in December of 2018. And quote, 
does not offer any reason to believe, quote, that Lauren's slang could have been avoided, which I think is garbage. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Another quote instead, the report offers weaknesses, identifies issues, and provides us with a roadmap for strengthening security on our campus. To comment on that, Obviously, I think we can say, and I'm sure we'll address it more not for not, but I think there is some clear lack of, I don't want to say conscientiousness, but awareness on behalf of the police of both Utah and Salt Lake City. Because to me, it's like, at what point did they really think this wasn't going to be resulting in violence? At what point do you draw the line? Right. Whether or not the violence was as severe as it ended up being, this isn't going to end well. Right. It, it, yeah. Say he doesn't kill her. He just kidnaps her. Say he just assaults her. At what point does it become worthy of their time? Right. And, and for her, the university president to say that the report showed no, no reason to believe that Lauren's murder could have been avoided is just a cop out, in my opinion. Yeah, that's asinine. And honestly, to then make some bullshit line about increasing campus security what what is that going to do a pavement for right strengthening security on our campus what is that going to do if they ignore pleas for help yeah question yeah i mean i think it's unfortunately one of those situations where it's like there are so many obvious things that could have been done right i mean i i keep coming back to the fact that melvin should have been back in jail with his, which I think also is a really strange violation of parole for posting on social media. I think more people should not be able to post on social media. But the fact that that was one violation and then allegations made against him by Lauren was, would have been another violation. And he wouldn't have, shouldn't have even been out and about in the public to be doing anything, even talking, going on dates, doing anything. You should have no rights afforded to you at that point. I agree. I think it's ridiculous that it got that far along. Right. So there were multiple missed opportunities, including the reports to housing officials, which was, that was early. And Lauren's friends made that report. And Lauren's parents called in to say they were concerned. Lauren's case was not reassigned on the days that detective was off. Lauren called on October 19th and the detective was off until October 23rd. Okay, in this sort of case, we can't let those days go by. It's not something that can sit. There were definitely many reasons to, in my opinion, to believe that this could have been avoided. February 7th, 2019, a Utah lawmaker drafted a bill prompted by Lauren's murder calling for Utah's public colleges to develop detailed response plans for cases of sexual assault stalking, and dating and domestic violence with an emphasis on training officers on how to recognize warning signs. And to me, in this case, they didn't even have to recognize the warning signs because Lauren was doing it for them. Lauren recognized the warning signs she called. No one was taking her seriously. Matt McCluskey, Lauren's dad, later testified on behalf of the bill and it was signed into law by the governor I mentioned earlier, Gary Herbert, on March 29th of 2019. This case is horrible, but I tried to think, I tried to end it on a more positive note, thinking about the actions that took place after it. On June 27th of 2019, 
Lauren's parents filed a $56 million lawsuit against the university, arguing that campus police could have prevented Lauren's death. September 21st of 2019, the university filed its first response to the lawsuit, and the school stated that this literally got my blood boiling. No matter how heartbreaking it is, and that was in quotes, no matter how heartbreaking, it's the officers had no obligation to protect Lauren from her attacker as Melvin was not a student or employee. What? Yes. Yeah, so Isn't that their whole freaking job? Right. So there was nothing they could do to protect her. If Melvin was on campus, they couldn't do it. He's not a student. He's not an employee. But she is. So so in order for them to do something, both people have to be a student in the university? That. that seems. And I think that's when it becomes tricky because Lauren kept calling Salt Lake City Police and they kept saying this is a campus issue. But I think in terms of Melvin, that would have been a local issue and not a campus issue. The lack of communication. And this reminds me of in the 70s when all this no jurisdictions were communicating with each other. So all these serial killers would just bop around and nobody could put the dots together because nobody was communicating. I was going to say, how many cases have we talked about where jurisdictional issues, some bullshit became right? reason that we didn't find out about these things until years, not later. And that's what it feels like here, except this is 2019 we're talking, 2018 when the crime committed, but 2019. And this is all in one location, Salt Lake City. Just because she's on campus and that and he's off campus, I don't know. It just honestly blows my mind. That was September 21st. On October 21st, which was just shy of the one-year anniversary of Lauren's death, there was a large student protest held where nearly 100 students, mostly women, walked out of class dissatisfied with the university police department. As I said at the top of the episode, you want to feel you are safe when you're I mean, doing anything in the world, but getting an education, living your life, and to know that the people who are in charge of your protection are not doing their job is despicable. November 23rd, this pissed me off a little bit, and I want to know your thoughts. So the university received a $300,000 federal grant to improve how it responds to cases of stalking and dating and domestic violence on campus. You're telling me you need a three. Where did that money come from? How? Why does Matt owe all this money in taxes when the the federal government has this money to give to these idiots? Yeah, I'd like to know the answer to that question. <laughs> exactly. Matt, I've been paying for you still. I'm actually hurting. Yeah, honestly, we I won't disclose the amount you owe, but let's uh, let's have a funeral for you. Because I'd be if you if the the government might as well just come blow me up, beat me up out of the world if that's what I. <laughs> You just take my whole house. I don't, yeah, right. I don't have that yeah, kind of money. Just calls the CIA on lease, and they're like, "Listen, this bitch ain't paying you. We need to take her out." And they're like, "I'll get her." But really, though, what happens if someone like me, who literally has ten dollars to my name, would were to owe some extravagant amount? What would they do? Do they have a payment plan? Would I file bankruptcy? What happens? I mean, you wouldn't, Lisa. It's based on income. <laughs> That's why I own nothing because they know I have nothing. So now they're. No, fuck you, pay me. You're not, you know, I, they didn't just come up with this number. I, def, I did my part to contribute. To your question, I ask that every single day about pretty much everything. Like, the the money and the resources and the time that the government and, and the world puts into things. First of all, money's fake anyways. The government's in, honestly, just print, print more money. Print more money. Right? There's trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars of debt. So if our country's in debt, why can't I be? If the country doesn't have to pay back trillions of dollars, why do I have to pay back my student loans? Hmm? Yeah, I I just don't know. It made me angry as well because it seems, and I know they have to probably really document how they use that money and whatever, but it's like we're rewarding them for being incompetent idiots. It really made me angry because I feel there's more you can do and you don't need $300,000 to do it. But Oh, it gets worse. On February 12th of 2020, the University Board of Trustees approved a $13 million project to completely rebuild the police facility. So I guess all you needed was more money. $13 million to build a police facility on campus. 
blows my mind. I don't, I just don't understand. Money is 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 fake. It's a, a fucking joke. It really is, and I I just I need more of it. So anyone, shout out to our Patreon. Page. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyone wants to give us thirteen million dollars for a project I'm working on? If someone yeah. ever donated that much, I would shit myself. Yeah, I would die. Anyway, so this is this is getting into that a hole that I referenced earlier on in the episode, May seventeenth of twenty twenty, which is really not that long ago. It was reported that Officer Miguel Duras, who Lauren was talking to when she was being blackmailed. So they must have, through the course of action, and I'm not going to pretend I know what that is, but she must have shown the messages to him. And that was where they were. Melvin's friends were saying, pay this much money or we're going to leak these inappropriate photos. So at some point in the course of action, Lauren must have shown those photos to the officer, who then showed them to his coworkers. According to two fellow officers, Giraffe showed at least one of the images to a male coworker. One officer said that Giraffe bragged about getting to look at them whenever he wanted. This poor girl is dead. You did jack shit to help, and now you're just going to show her nudes to everybody? Fuck you. There are a lot of people you can hate in this, but he is top of my list. Yeah, fuck that, dude. Can you yeah, so, sue him and take all of everything? Well, so, oh, oh, Lisa, this will make you feel better. He was fired. If you're not still fucking somebody, delete their nudes, all right? We're just pointing this out right now. I'm saying it. I actually wonder, do people do that? I mean, I, I do. But let me hear how many people say. Well, she it. also never gave him to, gave them to him in the t- context of a romantic yeah. relationship. Right. So that's yeah. one thing. But she came to you as a point of authority who yeah, she wanted sick. help with. And you are a piece of shit pig. Absolutely. Garbage. Don't worry. He got fired. You know, and oh, so did Lou. Yeah, and so did three other officers for not speaking up about the issue sooner, which I think... Can we take them out back and beat them with a sock filled with rocks? Well, I would love to because Salt Lake County District Attorney declined any further legal action, stating that he really did nothing wrong. Huh? Yeah. Wait, wasn't she a college student? How old was she again? 21. Fuck. Of course. Yeah. Of course, that's yeah. what they're going to say. Because if she was underage, boy, you could have killed them another one. Yeah. But so it just blows my mind that of all in that little mini part of this case, the officer that was inappropriately using and sharing and doing stuff with these photos was fired. And so were the other officers who didn't speak up about it. And I'm not saying there shouldn't have been punishment for them as well. But the fact that the punishment was the same is makes no fucking sense. That doesn't Actually, get, honestly, I'm sorry. Right. It makes no sense. Honestly, this case is is very frustrating in a few places it's frustrating honestly right there's many uh, there's many aspects that are frustrating on october 22nd of 2020 the two-year anniversary of lauren's death the university of utah acknowledged for the first time that lauren's murder was preventable and they agreed that they could have done better to protect her and that they failed they paid out 13.5 million dollars to lauren's parents as a part of legal settlement and another really good quote from that ABC episode, the parent, the mom, with they're both so well-spoken and not breaking down and crying. It was, they're powerful and strong people. But she made note to say, because they originally sued for much more, $56 million they filed. And they only got the 13.5. But the mom made a very clear note to say, we in no means hope to profit from this we want to be able to pay the legal fees that we need to pay and everything else is going to the lauren mccluskey foundation so i think that's important to note because they weren't just being money hungry they were trying to pay any legal fees they needed to pay and then do good with the rest of the money which they did the parents created the lauren mccluskey foundation which is laurenmccluskey.org and they hope to focus on increased campus security and to promote Lauren's love of athletics and animals, which I thought was so sweet. The university built an indoor track named in Lauren's honor, and more importantly, the University Center for Violence Prevention will bear Lauren's name as well. This case was really horrible, and I tried to end it on a positive note, 
and talk about the good that came out of this. And I will just shout out one more time the ABC Nightline episode. And it's short. It's, I think, without the commercials, it's 15, 20 minutes. I would say it's under a half an hour if you have the time to watch the whole episode because they do a really good job breaking down the timeline and the bajillion ways that this could have been preventable. So there's really no punishment for Melvin because he took matters into his own hands and killed himself, which, I mean, is not maybe different than what we would have wanted for him anyway. But what other opinions do you guys have in regard to this case? I will say, even though he took his own life, I hate when that happens in these kind of cases because then where's the justice? Yeah, you said maybe that is ultimately what he deserved in the end but it makes me mad that he doesn't have to see this thrill i don't like saying dying by suicide is a cowardly thing because in most cases i don't believe that in in that way but in these cases when you're killing yourself to get out of facing the consequences for a terrible crime you've committed i do think you're a coward and i think you haven't you weren't able to face the consequences of your actions right and not your first crime what bothers me is if you were going to do that shit, do it in the first place. And kill yourself instead of killing someone else, you piece of shit. Right. I agree. And because this was not his first run-in with the law and crime. He was a sex offender, and I, don't even, I didn't even dig in to see what was involved with that charge. Because, in my opinion, it truly doesn't matter. No. He's a piece of garbage anyway. I but mean, Yeah, it's, it, that honestly just... It, it, normally, we'd look at that in its own light and say, hey... We don't, we don't really know about that. We don't have any contact. We don't know what the person did. We don't know what the situation was. This is almost like it reinforces the fact that we know this dude's a piece of shit. It just adds another layer to it. And it, it does. It bothers me that, unfortunately, he won't face trial. He won't face a long walk down a short hallway into a prison cell. And that, that pisses me off. Or five minutes alone in a locked room with me. Either one. I just, I want Lauren's parents to be able to look at him. Yeah. And face, face what you did because you took someone's daughter, a friend, a, a million things away from people for seemingly no reason, right? Like, I mean, yeah. maybe you were mad she broke up with you, but you lied about your name. You lied about your age. You lied about being a registered sex offender. She has the grounds to break up with you, dude. And even if none of those things were the case, she still has the grounds to break up with you. You are in a relationship. At any point, you can be done with that relationship and not fear for your life. It's a damn shame, honestly. Absolutely. The biggest failures are on the campus police, the campus security, whatever the fuck that their role is. And then the police, police. I mean, I'm going to try to find it and insert it maybe at the very beginning or within this show somewhere but the Nyla Lung call is very very sad you hear her parents talking to her on the phone and then the call drops and that they know immediately what's happening they call the police you hear that call and, and they've done everything right Matt said earlier we're told especially as women these are the people you need to talk to these are the people that are going to protect you these are the people that will have your back if something wild happens this is what you need to do to build a case. She did every single thing she was required to do, and the ending was the same. Some people's argument to that was even in stalking cases when, again, you need they need to literally try to kill you to have anything happen. Even then, a lot of people's response to that is, well, those people aren't going to listen to a protective order anyways. They don't follow the law as it is. But it's still... We need more in place for people, especially in domestic situations, especially when there's violence involved, especially when it's because domestic partnerships, it's one of the main causes of deaths. Right. And it's so underreported. It's it's very scary and it's very sad. And that this man was able to even do anything is beyond. Yeah, it's just it's so upsetting. I mean, I definitely think more about my safety than a normal person. I wish I would have directly quoted her dad when he 
He didn't say he wasn't worried, but he said he felt that things were in the right place. Campus security or police were aware. Salt Lake City police were very aware. What more do you do? That's what you do. We're told, call the police if there's an issue and report things. And, and then that's when people, on the other hand, are so reluctant to do any of that because they're jaded. And I get that too. It's just a really tragic situation here. But her parents are strong and badass people. What's unfortunate, though, too, is that this happens a lot. There was a case, and the name escapes me of who it was, but I'm pretty sure it was in the UK, where the exact same thing happened. It wasn't campus police. It was police police. But this person reported a thousand different times that they are being stalked and harassed by their ex-boyfriend. And he was not taking no for an answer, and she was afraid for her life. And every single time, they kind of just blew it off. You're being dramatic. He'll go away. He hasn't committed a crime. And then he killed her. And it's why does this same situation have to keep replaying? And what is being done about it, right? I know Lauren's parents, like you were saying, have put some measure are trying to put some measures into place to protect people like Lauren who are in these horrible domestic relationships or ex-relationships or not even relationships, just a fucking crazy person that won't leave them alone. But we need to do something. Something must change because the system as it stands right now is failing these people. I agree. I was looking more on the Lauren McCluskey Foundation page, which we'll share. And I found the quote that I was looking for. It's, you can sign to make Lauren's promise, which is, I will listen and believe you if someone is threatening you. And I think that's part of it. And and just, if I feel unsafe, even if, the police don't eventually deem that to be unsafe. They need to still look into it because that's how I feel. I just, I don't know how we make this situation better, but we need to because you shouldn't be afraid to live your life. You shouldn't be afraid to break up with a boyfriend. Literally, you can do whatever you want and feel that your life is going to be okay. And it's just heartbreaking. Sorry for the downer, guys. I mean, we're always talking about unpleasant stories, but this one that just feels like we wouldn't be telling it if certain actions were taken. And because it just feels so random. Could happen to anybody. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Even he lied. He did this, that, and the next thing. All she did was break up with you, which you have to think, like, isn't that far-fetched? Your whole relationship was built off lies. Well, they say people in these situations, the most dangerous time for them is when they end the relationship, which is why I think a lot of people throw around this statement to people in domestic abuse situations. Why don't you just leave? And there's a million reasons why, why someone wouldn't leave a domestic violence situation. A lot of that is the power and control, the issues with that. But One of the other main things is it's the most dangerous time. And if you don't have the resources and the means to get far, 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 far away, you are at risk of this. This is statistically the time that they will try to harm you, that they will try to kill you is when you end the relationship. Would I pull back to, so they started dating at the beginning of September. By the end of October was when he killed her. So it wasn't a very long relationship and not that that matters, but it's like, okay, if you would have only dated for a week and she found out all your lies, would you have felt this way? There's just so many things to ponder and think about in this case. So we definitely want to hear everyone's thoughts and opinions on it. But I suppose in this case, I free and I was met. <laughs> yeah. Said him off his way. Bye-bye. Hate to say it, at least the motherfucker's dead. But... Yeah, because he doesn't deserve... Although, again, it it does bother me when that is the outcome of these kind of cases because I'm pissed at there. And then, I mean, that's me assuming that they would get a sentence that I would believe is fair. And we all know from this show that doesn't happen a lot either. So right. I suppose right. the ending is what needed to happen. And, and this fucking ass bag took it to his own hands and made the, made the decision easy on everybody. You're right, Lisa, because... Ultimately, he needs to be removed from the general public. And let's say this went to trial. He might have 
gotten some bullshit sentence and then been back out in the world to terrorize more people. So I guess ultimately, it just makes me mad that I said earlier, he didn't have to face Lauren's parents and look them in the eye and have them be able to look at him and face his actions, take accountability. But ultimately, he is not a threat to anyone anymore. Any lingering thoughts, anybody? Just very sad. Uh, I know. I I really brought the mood down. No, nah, I mean, we talk about a lot of awful things, but there's a lot of reasons that this should not have happened. A lot of reasons. The dude should have been in jail. The police should have investigated. There's just so many things. Yeah, and I think it just, again, highlights the many faults within our justice system. And if you think about it, and when we were talking about it, I know this is terrible to say, but this is the kind of system that fails people all of the time and regularly our system fails people of color fails women fails abuse domestic abuse victims stalking victims and it's it's very sad and it's painful and i think this really is a case that should make campus security really reevaluate their fucking job there's no excuse because the perpetrator isn't a student they just they throw their hands up and don't care she was a student. She lived, she was on campus. And even if not, what is the fucking purpose of campus police if they're not going to protect the campus? I don't care if neither one of them are students and it happened nearby the campus. They should be ready to go protecting their students because all for they know there's a gunman on the loose running around mad, harassing people on campus. It just seemed like finger pointing. And to me, campus police local police should all be working together so why do we keep pointing the finger and sending her around and around rather than working as a team she should have had the liaison at the local police campus police i I just i don't get it and like you said lisa it's just unfortunately the system is not effective and i don't know how to fix it i'm not saying that but Lauren's parents are trying and I said they're just badasses so definitely we'll post the link for Lauren's foundation look into it there are ways to donate help just I think also having these sorts of conversations as well is important because security is something that whether it's campus or wherever impacts all of us so we need to be talking about it absolutely I agree And I think all of that is important. The great case, Jules. It's a very sad one. And I think everybody should watch the um, documentary on this case. And I think there's a bunch of little things on this case. And it's just very sad. It's very frustrating. But I think it's important to see all of the facts of the case and how essentially the entire system failed. Yeah. Lauren, but... Thank you for bringing this case to us. And as always, you guys, let us know what you think. Was an eye for an eye met here? I mean, he ends in his own life. Do we think that had he been alive, what kind of sentence should this man have got if he, if he shot Lauren, God forbid, and she didn't pass away? I always kind of think about that as well. Is Unfortunately, the worst case scenario happened here. But I wonder what would have happened. Would it have been another stalking case where someone gets a slap on the wrist because they didn't hit their goal? right? It's always in hindsight. It's always, oh, we should have put him away. But if you look at the bazillion other stalking cases and domestic violence cases that are around, they don't do anything until it's too late or until someone tries something horrendous. And yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's very, very, very sad that I'm very interested to hear what everybody else thinks about this case. Definitely. I want to hear other people's thoughts. If you feel differently than us, we're open to hearing that as well. It's just, this is such a sad and frustrating case. Yeah, absolutely. On many levels, honestly. Yeah. But thank you everybody for joining us for this episode of Eye for an iPod. We are here chilling and killing episodes out every Monday as of right now. So take a listen. And if you want some early release episodes and some different series that are patreon only definitely check out our patreon page it really supports our show and helps fund 
all of this. It's it's not uh, easy being, it's not cheap being this great. <laughs> it ain't easy. And we only get better. When, expensive to be me. Yeah, it's a rough time. But with your guys' support, we can flourish and thrive and our hearts are fuller that way. That was so beautiful. But yeah, so thank you guys for joining us. We will see you over the next time on Eye for an Eye podcast, and we will chat with you then. Tune in next week. <laughs>